This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hello and welcome to Savor, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about root beer. Another thing I am very unfamiliar with. We are on a roll. <laughs> we apparently are. Okay, well, so so you have you have... Annie, a specific story about why you're unfamiliar with root beer. And by unfamiliar, you mean right before we started recording, you were like, wait, is this Dr. Pepper? Yes. (laughs) So I clearly don't know what it is. And I'm (laughs) almost 100% certain I have never had it. Gosh. Yeah. So I used to think growing up that it was actually beer. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And so I did not drink it, which is funny to me now because one of my best friends loved root beer and root beer floats. And every time she told me about it, I was like, troublemaker. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, you know, scandalized. I love yes, this. <laughs> I was, in fact. And I know I've told my Fresca story where I drink a, a bunch of Fresca thinking it was beer. But I guess if root beer had been there, maybe I would have gone that way and my, my life could have gone very differently. We don't know. Um, but then <laughs> I think it was 2005. I was in high school. Somebody dared me to give up soda and I did out of spite. And then by the time I realized there was no alcohol usually in root beer, I'd given up soda, so oh, the window okay. was closed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was already over. Yeah, it's too uh, 
Goodness, uh, that is, this is such a strange, like, like this universe of no root beer that you live in is such a strange alternate universe to me or to mine, because like, I grew up drinking root beer, like regularly, uh, like we made it in class in the first grade. Oh, that sounds like a cool project. It was a very cool project. I did not like the resulting root beer. I remember thinking that it was too um, earthy and bitter, which means that I would probably love it today. <laughs> um, but yeah, like on uh, when my dad and I would take road trips, um, we'd make a special stop at an A&W drive-in and I would get a root beer float. Um, my dad was so excited when IBC became widely distributed, which is a brand that sells root beer and cream soda and stuff. I, yeah, like. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I I do love this. We have very differing experiences on this particular topic. Yeah, (laughs) I, I do. And I do think, um, this might be like a Northern versus Southern thing because, Mm. yeah, like, like the, that, that A&W pit stop would be in like Ohio or Pennsylvania. So. Right. And it is interesting and something we're going to touch on in this episode, that whole beer part of this name Mm -hmm. uh, and how that's been used and viewed uh, over history, because I definitely thought it was a beer. (laughs) (laughs) I, I didn't, I like on the contrary, I didn't associate the word beer with the alcoholic beverage like I like I knew what root beer was long before I knew what beer was Mm. and so Mm -hmm. like it was like years and years later that I was like oh man these two different beverages share a word in common I wonder why that is (laughs) and you never thought oh is root beer beer it was just oh they're very separate they're very separate things yeah okay okay All right. Well, uh, you can see our soda episode um, for more detail, especially on like soda fountains and stuff, which does Mm -hmm. play into this story. Yeah, for sure. But in the meantime, let us get to our question. Mm -hmm. Root beer. What is it? Well, uh, root beer is a type of drink that, uh, while originally made of roots and beer, today may not contain either necessarily. Ah, very clear. (laughs) Uh Uh, Clear as root beer. Um, It is uh, most often a carbonated, uh, no or low alcohol soft drink with with complex sweet and bitter and earthy flavors with both like warming and cooling herbs and spices, usually a hint of creaminess in there. There's no like single recipe, but... um, Common ingredients may include uh, sassafras, root bark, uh, sarsaparilla, vanilla, spearmint and or wintergreen, anise and or licorice root, molasses and or honey, ginger, cinnamon, nutmeg, clove, allspice, juniper, coriander, birch bark, cherry tree bark, hops, burdock root, dandelion root. It can contain a lot of different things. (laughs) I have no idea what this could taste like, but... (laughs) helps me none other than it sounds like spicy kind of yeah yeah the, the the i guess the base notes of it are that it's um it it's sweet and a little bit like there's like a little bit of like a minty cooling flavor and a little bit of like a spicy flavor and then kind of like a like a little bit of like bitterness to round it out hmm would it be interesting, you know, we should bring back, we did like one taste test on here one time and it was licorice. 
<laughs> what if this is a something oh. I try and it's a sixth thing I don't like? Oh, no. <gasps> <laughs> wow. Good to change my whole worldview. Expa- expanding your list to six? I know. See, grapefruit was on there, but grapefruit has been removed. So there's a spot. There's a vacuum there. <laughs> I'm glad that you decided that you like grapefruit. Grapefruit is delightful. Oh, I love grapefruit now, but as a kid, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, goodness. Um, Okay, so I guess traditionally speaking, the two ingredients that contribute the most to the profile of root beer are two that we might not be very familiar with um, in modern times, um, and that being sassafras, which is a uh, type of type of plant, woody sort of plant. It's a it's what a, a filet is made of, which goes into uh, gumbo and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, in, in, in this case, you're going to be taking the, the bark of the root and so you get this kind of like this like spicy, minty, earthy sort of flavor out of it. Um, and uh, sarsaparilla, I think, is more on the bitter herbal side. It's a it's a vine, um, and you might also be using the the skin or the or the bark of the root on that one. I'm I'm not entirely sure, y'all. Uh, at this point, <laughs> at this point, most root beer recipes are like buy root beer extract from McCormick and then and so, <laughs> you know, right. Uh, but at any rate, um, some places do market the same drink alternately as either root beer or sarsaparilla. Um, and I think sarsaparilla is what it's called frequently in countries outside of North America because, y'all, this is like the first North American product that I've seen like widely described as gross by the international community. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the the line of thinking seems to be that that it reminds people of mouthwash or like a one of those like topical icy hot type. Rubs oh, wow. or medicines. Uh-huh. Possibly because of the inclusion of ingredients like um like like wintergreen um that can contain um these menthol-y sort of compounds like uh, like methyl uh, salicyclate. So yeah, reminds people of mouthwash. Mm. Okay. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> I'm trying to keep an open mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Um and although in many forms today it is uh it is non-alcoholic, you can make it alcoholic. It is traditionally brewed like a beer, uh using friendly yeast to eat sugars and poop uh alcohol and carbon dioxide and flavor. Um the amount of alcohol in the final product was traditionally quite low, like under 3%, often under 1%. Um but it can be produced so that it's higher. You can also make root beer uh, the non-traditional way by um, by making or buying a flavored concentrate and then adding carbonated water or, you know, adding still water and carbonating it by forcing carbon dioxide into the mixture in one way or another. And yes, you can totally make it at home. It sounds like you should. It sounds like you should redo your first grade experiment. You know, I'm I'm really curious to to you know sort of like sort of like amaros. There there you go. It's sort of like the flavor profile of an amaro. Okay, well I like amaro. Yeah. This is so strange. <laughs> I'm so torn, and I feel like I'm being pulled in different ways. I'm being pulled apart. Oh, oh. no. Um. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like curious to like try to try to get all of these roots and herbs and spices and sort of see what proportions of what would make up a root beer flavor. Because <laughs> I've got a very specific idea of what I want it to be. I like this. I yeah. think you should do it. <laughs> I think that there's kind of a, the way you're describing it. I'm imagining it as very witchy, and I like that, but also experimental. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah um, I yeah. do have a friend who calls me the science witch, so. Uh, oh, <laughs> yes. That's perfect. All right. And keep, I want notes. Okay. Okay, yeah. yeah. Keep us posted. Got you. Um, in the meantime, <laughs> what about the nutrition? Uh, it depends. Uh, you know, it, it does tend to be a sugary drink, um, and sugar should generally be treated as a treat. And treats are nice. You know, enjoy them. Yeah. Uh, read read your labels, though. You know, I, I the 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 empty calories of soda can be quite caloric. So just you know, be be yes. be aware. Be aware. Mm-hmm. A research has shown, though, that of common sodas, root beer tends to be less acidic and therefore might be easier on your teeth than other sodas. Okay. Yeah. And uh, some of them do come caffeinated. So if you are caffeine sensitive, watch out for that. And yes, there are some brands that are brewed to be alcoholic, um, though they are, Annie, distinctly labeled and sold in the beer section, not like two children. (laughs) Nonetheless, drink responsibly. Is it like root beer... Parentheses, actual beer. (laughs) (laughs) It says, like, alcoholic, and we'll have, like, a percentage on the label. (laughs) Like any other. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still suspicious. Um, Okay, so we do have numbers for you. Uh, A&W is the top-selling root beer in the world, and there are over 1,000 A&W restaurants around the world, and I actually saw some estimates that were higher. So, hmm. a lot. Hmm. A lot. Um, the alcoholic brand, uh, Not Your Father's Root Beer, was technically the most popular craft beer of 2015, with uh, 1.95 million cases sold. Well, that, that shocks me. That is legitimately <laughs> shocking to me. <laughs> Okay. Me too. Like, I knew it was a thing, but I didn't know it was that big of a thing. Yeah. Uh, more more on that later, though. Um, hmm. As of 2021, root beer is the most popular flavor of soda in Kentucky, Maine, North Carolina, and South Dakota, according to Eat This, Not That. That's an interesting assortment of states. Mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah. Uh, it's apparently a popular homebrew among Amish and other plain sect communities. Um, in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, roadside stands sell thousands of bottles a year to tourists uh, coming through. And there is uh, the Root Beer Store in Washington State that offers over 100 root beers. And I really enjoyed going through their site because they had this whole section like, but what if I don't like root beer? Like, oh, no. We have other things. Like, I get it. You have to have other things for people who don't. But it was just funny to me that the root beer store is like, but we have other things. But don't also 100 worry. root beers. <laughs> There's cream soda, but 100 root beers. Yeah. 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 So clearly a fan base. People like it. Yeah. And there's an interesting history of of how it came to be. There is, and we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. 
Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So... Indigenous North American tribes made beverages, often medicinal in nature, that involved sassafras roots that served as the base of what would become root beer. When European colonists arrived to North America, they adapted these recipes and started making so-called small beers using whatever was regionally available, including herbs and roots for bitterness. While some of these beers were alcoholic, not all of them were. Or at least not not very. Uh, the idea of small beers is that the amount of booze in them is small. Uh, these days, it's regulated as something like more than zero, but under 3%. I think it's usually like uh, uh, one half of 1% to 2.8% is what you would consider a small beer. But, um, but one folks say that in ye old times, uh, people drank more beer than water. This is the sort of beer they're usually talking about. Um, and it's beneficial as opposed to water because like, well, A, it's flavored and mildly carbonated, which is fun. But also, you know, you've boiled the water that you used in making it, which can kill off some germs. Um, uh, the even low alcohol content can be antimicrobial. And those flavoring herbs that you added can be antimicrobial. So good times all around. Right. Um, common small beers included ginger beer, sarsaparilla, birch beer, and root beer. Uh, Benjamin Franklin, George Washington, and Thomas Jefferson all drank root beer. And from what I gathered, they all had their like specific recipes, or at least George Washington yeah. and Thomas Jefferson did. I don't know about Benjamin Franklin, but well, seems like a thing. <laughs> By 1842, a few varieties of root beer were being advertised in the Philadelphia area, many as a health drink. These ads claimed it could 
act as a blood purifier, a cure for summer complaint, and a cure for cholera, as well as just generally boosting your health. A Philadelphia-based pharmacist by the name Charles Elmer Hires frequently is credited with popularizing modern root beer. Hires was born in 1851, and the story goes that while he was honeymooning in New Jersey, uh, though there is little to back up that detail, it's frequently included, but little to back it up, uh, he came up with the recipe for a type of herbal tea called tisane, um, which was he wanted it to be an alternative to alcohol. And the primary ingredient to this recipe was sassafras. It was so good that he decided to package it and sell it as a dry mix. At 25 cents, these packets yielded five gallons of finished product. But um, for the carbonation process to take place, the dry mix had to be combined with water, yeast, and sugar, and then given time to ferment before it was ready to drink. So, a friend of his named Russell Conwell suggested that hires work on a liquid formula for this product, something more convenient. And Conwell would later go on to found uh, Temple University, by the way. hmm. Yeah. Hires got to work developing a carbonated beverage. The end result utilized 25 roots, herbs, and berries, or 16, depending on the source. Mm -hmm. Uh, He debuted his creation called Hires' Root Beer. They probably didn't put the extra zzz on there, but <laughs> <laughs> that's how I read it. Mm-hmm. Um, at the 1876 Philadelphia Centennial Exhibition, and people loved it. They loved it. The family started selling bottled root beer in 1893. By 1904, Hires developed a root beer syrup for distribution. According to some accounts, um, 115,000 bottles of this product were sold in the first year. And he called it the great health drink. Some accounts claim that originally Hires was going to name his product Root Tea, but figured he could attract a larger consumer base with beer ah, in the name. Huh. Yes, yes. And depending on the source, again, this was because he was trying to capitalize on the temperance movement in terms of here's a non-boozy alternative to beer and or he knew the crowd in Pennsylvania had a liking for beer, so he put beer in the name instead of tea. <laughs> uh, not a lot to back either of those up, but both very funny. Some people involved in the temperance movement attempted to get root beer banned in 1895, despite the fact that, yes, it didn't contain alcohol or, or had these very low levels of it. However, it kind of backfired and brought more attention to root beer. Oh, uh, oops. Got more people interested in it. <laughs> And um, Hires was a really great advertiser, one of the first major and mass advertisers in the beverage business. I think that's been one of the most surprising things of this whole history yeah. to me is how influential root beer has been in a lot of ways when it comes to advertising and, and things we take for granted, which we're going to get into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he he was one of the first to take out full-page ads, um, had these trading cards created. Um, the logo was featured on all sorts of items. And Hires himself and his rags-to-riches story, as he told it, uh, hmm. became a recurring element in these ads. Ah. Yeah, and, and going back to that, like, syrup thing, apparently that was another part of his whole deal was he was, like, going around and making sure people knew at these, like, soda fountains how to make his product, but they had what they needed so that it could get more attention and more people would buy it. Okay, so I feel like this could be a whole separate episode, but briefly. Mm -hmm. 
Coloradan Frank J. Wisner uh, often gets the credit for creating the root beer float in 1893. However, very difficult Mm -hmm. to verify. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The story goes he got the inspiration from the Rocky Mountains, like snow-capped Rocky Mountains. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, with a lot of these uh, soda fountain and ice cream related stories, it's easy to imagine that any number of human people took these two things that they liked and were like, oh, what if I just booped them right together? What if I just straight booped them? What if I straight booped them? (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. I I totally agree. And it was funny to me that the article that I got this information from was talking about how it probably came from Chicago and I had to double like do a double take because it's from Colorado. <laughs> like, wait. <laughs> so you're like, uh, well, okay, sure. Interesting twist. All right. Uh, a series of root beer competitors seeing the success of Hires' product followed soon after it debuted. In 1898, Bark's Root Beer debuted, the brainchild of Edward Bark. He bottled and sold his product in Biloxi for the first time in 1897. This root beer contained less sugar and more carbonation than comparable products at the time. Then in 1919, um, IBC was first created in St. Louis. Um, This was during Prohibition, and it was intended as an alternative to booze. Right. Uh, And then Roy Allen opened a root beer stand in California in 1919, handing out his first bottles that year at a parade welcoming back returning soldiers. Allen partnered with Frank Wright in 1922 to form A&W Root Beer, A for Allen and W for Wright. Okay, okay. Yes, yes. In 1924, Allen bought Wright out and trademarked the product. Allen started franchising the following year, creating one of the first restaurant chains in the United States. To this day, most A&Ws make their own root beer on site. Apparently, there was a brief period where they didn't, and then everybody was like, no. And then they switched back. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Also in 1924, Stewart's brand started out as a root beer stand in Mansfield, Ohio. I love this because there's so many of these I've never heard of because I have no experience with root beer. And I'm like <laughs> assuming that people are listening and like, well, yeah, that one. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, St- Stewart's is a is a is a large brand um, up north, so uh, pretty pretty familiar to many people from that region. I shall take your word for it. Huh. In the, the late 1930s, Chicago, Barney Burns and Eli Clapman arrived at the recipe for. Dad's root beer in Clapman's basement. It came in the now ubiquitous six-pack packaging invented by the Atlanta Paper Company, one of the first products sold this way. Huh. Yeah. The Belfast Beverage Company sold what was uh, first called Belfast Root Beer in the 1940s. The name later changed to Mug Old Fashioned Root Beer and then later to Mug Root Beer. Um, this is the brand that has the, uh, the 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 bulldog mascot on the can, and I ran into the endlessly fascinating fact during my reading for this episode that the mascot's name is Dog. <laughs> Straight to the point. Just <laughs> this is like you know when you get you ask your three or four year old to name a pet. And yeah, like, dog. Or it's dog. Or oh. either like Stuart, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> something in there. <laughs> I love it. 
Um, jumping back a bit to 1927 and Washington State, couple John and Alice Marriott opened Hot Shop, a root beer restaurant purchased from A&W that grew popular enough to allow the Marriotts to pivot into the hotel business. Now, I just stopped myself from going down this rabbit hole because it's like we're not a hotel show. And a lot yeah. of the like, you know, one line explanation was A&W led to the Marriott. And I'm like, I'm not sure quite how. I get that they started there, <laughs> but I don't see the jump <laughs> to huh. the Marriott. It sounds like they had enough success that it allowed them. It became pretty big. Yeah. Yeah, huh. I guess. Um, fascinating. Fascinating. In 1953, a root beer and hamburger stand named Sonic first opened its doors. Now there are 3,500 of them all over the U.S., all serving root beer, and from what I understand, a lot of them in Texas. Huh. Yeah. I had no idea that Sonic started as a root beer stand. Me either. Me either. I have a really embarrassing story about Sonic where me and my friend, <laughs> we were in high school, we didn't have cars, so <laughs> we we walked through the uh-huh. drive through of the Sonic yeah. and ordered, and then we went and waited in a parking spot, <laughs> and then they were like, you know, you could just order, you could have just sat at the table. It ordered that way. There was no need. <laughs> we were very tired. We'd been at Six Flags all day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. But that was the last time I ate at Sonic. <laughs> burn that bridge. The shame. The shame the has shame stayed with intense. you. Oh, no. It is <laughs> um, So... Uh, as all of these companies entered the root beer market, because we've we just gone through a lot of them, um, along with competing products like sodas and sweets, root beer purveyors did struggle. Non-alcoholic root beers did benefit from prohibition and the temperance movement, but so did those sodas. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, some did market, some of these root beers were marketed as medicinal, The FDA threw a wrench in that for a lot of companies in 1960 when it labeled sassafras root slash oil as a carcinogenic and banned it from mass-produced food and drug products. Because it was a primary ingredient in many root beers, the root beer industry took a hit. Um, Brewers reformulated their their formulas with artificial flavoring in a lot of cases or, or other flavorings. And in 1994, the ban on sassafras oil was lifted. Yeah, it was, so what was going on here was that um, some research found that this primary compound in sassafras called safrole was indeed carcinogenic in rats when given to those rats in large doses. And this compound is also found um, in stuff like nutmeg, cinnamon, black pepper, and uh, sweet basil, but it appears in much higher concentrations in sassafras oil. Um, some uh, some root beer manufacturers worked out a way to remove the saffron from sassafras oil so that they could keep using it. But, you know, it is one of those kind of key flavor compounds in there. So, um, but uh, I don't know. From, from what I've read, it's basically like, well, don't drink over 35 units of root beer that contains saffron every day because mm-hmm. then you'll probably get cancer. Okay. Um, but I'm not sure why you would. <laughs> yeah, there would be some questions I would have. Yeah. Uh, I in, in general, this really brings us back around to our saver slogan, which is, you know, bodies are complicated. More research is necessary uh, before ingesting a medicinal dose of anything. 
consult consult a medical professional who is not us. No, 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 no. Not <laughs> us. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I. 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 Yes. Like I. I think the the research that I've read is like yes, in high amounts, saffron is not good for you, but probably what you're consuming through any product that contains it is not enough to really worry about. So yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, in 2019, A&W launched a petition to get Merriam-Webster to add the ampersand to the alphabet. That was another <laughs> fun rabbit hole that I had to stop myself because I, I was reading out the history of the ampersand. People were like, yeah, there's a precedent for this. People were really passionate about it. Oh. Uh, it's still it's still up there. Uh, it's got it's got hundreds of thousands of signatures. Oh, wow. That's great. Uh-huh. That is a specific yeah. form of nerdery that I completely approve of. Oh, jeez. Yes. Yes. I really want that grammar show. Mm. One day, one day. Recently, there has been a resurgence in home brewing root beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Along with the uh, the rest of the home brewing buzz, um, yeah, root beer has been included in that, which is super fun. Um, there has also been, like we were saying uh, in our numbers section, this resurgence in hard root beers, um, root beers uh, with a discernible alcohol content. Um, around 2014, a few brands started really hitting the U.S. market to this impressive success. Um, this one brand, Coney Island Brewing Company, um, when, when its root beer debuted at Whole Foods, uh, they were seeing a 400% growth rate in sales month over month. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, the folks responsible for another leading brand, uh, the aforementioned Not Your Father's Root Beer, said they went through 78 recipes over two years before they came up with their brew. Um, and they got a distribution deal with Pabst, um, as in like PBR. Mm-hmm. And they made... $7.2 million in sales during the first half of 2015. Wow. And <laughs> which, yeah, like, and then finished the year at number one, the as technically the number one craft beer in the country. Um, though, yeah, there's some argument about whether it should have been considered craft or beer. <laughs> um, <laughs> of course. There was a whole lot of, like, pearl clutching amongst craft beer writers that year. <laughs> <laughs> I I can see it. I, I absolutely believe that. They were like, why is this product, which is essentially Smirnoff Ice, uh, right. being called beer, and let alone something that's being distributed by Pabst being called a craft beer? Um, mm. mm-hmm. Get off yeah. my lawn. Uh, <laughs> get off my beer lawn. Yeah. Uh, right, 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 right. Which, you know, which I which I understand and and also don't understand. I'm like, all right, you know, like 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 let, let people like what they like, man. But yeah. I feel like this is an opportunity to this probably has already been done and I just don't know about it, but to remake sideways but with beer, you know? <laughs> oh, 20,000%. So. Yeah. Let's get someone get Paul Giamatti on the line. Where's Paul? I, somebody's <laughs> got his number. I believe I it. <laughs> I'm surprised we don't already. I know. It's Paul, call us. Yes. <laughs> ironclad. Guaranteed to succeed. <laughs> uh, Just like uh, this root beer, I guess. <laughs> Not your father's root beer. Beer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think I think it was a, a I think it was a spike in popularity that has since calmed down a little bit. Mm. But um, but yeah, no, you can you can still find such products out there. Um, I yeah, uh, I happened to go uh, grocery shopping this morning, and um, 
Yeah, I I bought I bought a bottle of uh, Jones Soda Company root beer. Uh, not a sponsor, just a company that I generally enjoy. I don't think I've tried their root beer before, and I have not opened it yet. I'm looking forward to that later. Yeah, the craving is real. The craving is real. We have to. I want to. I, I want to get like. I, I wish that. There wasn't COVID for many reasons, but I but I want to get like seven different kinds and like do like a taste test and you know, kind of go through the 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 the, the, the gamut of yeah. different root beer flavors. The root beer gamut. I'll get yeah. out my Thanos glove, which by the way, I've used enough that I had to replace the batteries. <laughs> That's great. Of course you have. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait, this can't be possible. Oh yeah, I guess so. You're like, oh uh, no, that's totally possible. Well, yeah, that, yeah, that, yep, nope, that, that makes perfect out. sense. That- uh-huh. <laughs> no, I definitely want to know what you think. And I, I'm wary, but I want to try some. I am wary. I think that's fair. I think, I think given that you don't drink soda. <laughs> that's true. I'll have to make an exception to my rule. Work usually is an exception. Okay. And that you have yeah. a grudge against one particular soda. I just thinking about it, my blood is boiling. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I would crush that with my Thanos glove. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> that is a story for a different day. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and also international listeners, I'm really, really curious if this is true. What Lauren described of like kind of this. <laughs> despising of root beer outside of the United States. So let us know. Yeah, definitely. Yes. But uh, speaking of, we do have some listener mail for you. <laughs> we do. But first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel. Dot com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursion? Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with that's what I miss the most about soda is that first, like, that first sip. sip. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, the best part. The good, the good bright carbonation and yeah. like the, yeah. And it kind of stung almost. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. A kind of like That's, hot, like, 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 like ginger spice kind of kick to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have dreams about it sometimes. Oh, I do miss wow. it. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> 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 Red wrote, your classic episode on toasting was wonderful, but you made a crucial historical error. The raucous winter tradition of wassailing, wassailing? Wassailing. Uh, Wassailing involves going around to your neighbor's houses where they will give you drink, not the other way around. It has ties back to feudalist Britain, where in the wintertime, wealthy landowners would reward their workers with some big holiday parties. In a weird way, this reinforced the social hierarchy. For this one special time of year, the lower classes were treated like esteemed guests, and the wealthy would serve them for a change. Over the hundreds of years, was sailing it turned into bands of roving partiers going to the rich neighborhoods <laughs> and demanding that they honor this old <laughs> tradition. Imagine a bar crawl, but the bars are your neighbor's houses. <laughs> Surprise! In colonial Boston, a group calling themselves the Antics calls complaints such as breaking furniture and making lewd comments about the lady of the house. Goodness. I know. In the 19th century, Victorians sought to make Christmas more family-friendly in general, and they turned with sailing into caroling. They replaced the booze with coffee and hot cocoa, and instead of running right into your house, they would politely stay at your front door. But that is why to this day, if carolers do come to your door, you still feel compelled to give them some Christmas cookies. It's a holdover from the days of the Lord of the Manor providing them a feast. I am lucky enough to be connected into the folk world, and we actually keep the spirit of wassailing alive and well, with some modifications for modern society, of course. Every year, my friends hold a huge party at their house where we feast and make merry. We sing the old wassailing songs, of which there are many, and we make a proper wassail. Flames and all. Hmm. The traditional way to get the sweetener into your wassail is to pile sugar cubes on a rack over a big old bowl of red wine. Then take a warm, cordial mixture of dark spirits and winter spices and pour it over the sugar, dousing it. Then grab a match, (laughs) light the surface of the punch bowl on fire, and slowly and carefully ladle the punch over the flaming pile of caramelizing sugar. We make a big batch, so it takes quite a while for all the sugar to melt away and the flames to die down, usually about four songs. Hmm. I've included some photos to try to give you a feel for the experience. Unfortunately, COVID has ruined all in-person folk singing, so we had to throw a virtual substitute this past Christmas. I am hopeful that next year we will be able to once more gather around the flaming wassail bowl and raise the rafters with our songs. Oh. (laughs) Oh, that's so amazing. I hope so, too. Yeah. 
I would love to attend this. I should not be in charge of Flame ever. No, um, no. But <laughs> I can watch from afar. Yeah. <laughs> Sing terribly. Uh, enthusiastically. Enthusiastically. Terribly. Yes. That's the more important part. Yeah. No, I like this idea of um, fire booze at uh, old timey <laughs> karaoke. This sounds. Yes. This sounds perfect. Yes. And I do love, I love how there's so many traditions and in this context around food and drink where we just take for granted like it's this holdover from some ancient, like not ancient, but feudalist Britain. Uh Uh-huh. And it's what it has evolved into over time and just the history of that. And it kind of reminds me of Halloween where you would pick out the the best houses with the best candy. Oh, yeah. Even uh-huh. if it wasn't your neighborhood, <laughs> that's where you'd go. Especially <laughs> if it wasn't your neighborhood. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it reminds me of. But this sounds like a great time. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Todd wrote, I have a long relationship with dandelion. My degree is in botany, and I've always been interested in wild plants and herbology. The first scientific name of a plant I memorized was, oh, okay, uh, Compositae. Terrazacum officinale. In the sixth grade. Huh. Uh, in Boy Scouts, I learned to cook and eat dandelion. In the late 80s, I worked in the north of England and would often shop Sainsbury's, buy a two-liter bottle for 98 pence, and enjoy a chilled glass of dandelion and burdock soft drink on a hot summer day. I love Fentimans, but at nearly $3 a bottle, I really miss the good old days of being in England. If you go foraging around your neighborhood with the idea of gathering and eating some fresh dandelion greens, you really need to be aware of where they're growing. Since they are a most hated plant, they often get sprayed with one kind of an herbicide or another. They're also bioaccumulators. They might contain herbicides from the current season for spraying, or they may also contain toxins from chemical residues contained in the soil. That is one reason they're so expensive in fancy eateries. Restaurants need to buy certified organic product or from a forager that collects from relatively safe areas. Areas that don't get sprayed. A little FYI thing to share with you about how dandelion seeds spread and implant themselves. The dispersal by wind is obvious, but the really cool thing is that they are programmed for finding optimum environmental conditions to grow. You can see uh, in the diagram uh, that was attached that the uh, that the seed is pointed and barbed. As the pappas disc carries the dandelion seed hither and yon, uh, when it senses an area of high humidity at the correct temperature, the pappas disc actually folds up like an inverted umbrella. So the whole thing is kind of arrow-shaped. The dandelion seed plummets to the ground and hopefully embeds itself with its pointy, barbed seed into the soil that provides the correct environment for germination. The barbs help the seed stay in place until it can germinate, root, and grow in its new home. That's so cool. That is so cool. God. Ugh. I was just um I was just house sitting for somebody and unlike me, she actually has a yard and uh-huh. a bunch of dandelions in it. And I every time I saw one, I'd be like, respect dandelion. <laughs> I got so much respect for you. <laughs> oh yes. Yes. Oh goodness. That is delightful. Thank you. Always always yes. send in botany notes. Oh, please. Yes. Um, thanks to both of those listeners for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. Roller coaster. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.